You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Thursday to you and yours. We're almost through the week. We're almost to the weekend. Uh, 24 hours from now, we'll be in paradise. It'll be the weekend. It'll be Friday. But I'm going to put you in paradise a little early uh, with this show that we have planned for you today. Bryson Gray, Let's Go Brandon, the prolific rapper. He's done a rap song with Alex Stein. Now, Alex Stein was on the show yesterday, and now Bryson and Primetime Stein have teamed up. But uh, Bryson's here in studio with me today because he's going to help me and Royce White, who will join us uh, via Skype here shortly, talk about uh, Donald Trump's major announcement. Uh, <laughs> and Elon Musk, the battle uh, for his life, safety, and the battle for Twitter. We'll talk about that with Royce and Bryson as well. Then we'll have a day later than normal, Tennessee Harmony with uh, Pastor Anthony and Chocolate Knox. Dave Shannon will join us. We'll continue the conversation we had yesterday about the black church and marriage and YouTubers uh, perhaps being more influential in relationships and marriage than even pastors. Fantastic show uh, for you today. Glad to have Bryson in studio. Uh, certainly glad to put the combination of Bryson and Royce White together. But before we get to uh, any kind of fire in that conversation, I want to talk to you guys about my favorite topic, my friends at Preborn. Tragically, every minute unborn babies' futures are sucked out of existence, but amid the darkness, there's a light that shines, and that's Preborn. Preborn introduces mothers considering abortion to their unborn babies through ultrasound. Once they hear that heartbeat and see the precious life, 80% of those women who were considering abortion will then choose life. Preborn pregnancy clinics, their position, are located in the top areas where abortions take place. Preborn doesn't stop just at birth. They love and support these mothers with maternity clothes, diapers, counseling, and so much more for up to two years. If you want to do good this holiday season, if you want to do good in 2023, if you want to help save a baby's life, you need to be supporting Preborn. Preborn does a tremendous job. It's a part of our mission here with Fearless to get involved with the pro-life community and helping them fight all these giants that are supporting all the abortion clinics. For just $28, you can rescue a baby's life and finance one ultrasound or $140 sponsors five ultrasounds. Now through a match, your gift is doubled. 100% of your donation will go towards saving babies. Our goal here with Fearless, The Blaze, and Preborn is to save 50,000 Blaze babies. Will you join us? Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby, 
or donate the Jason Whitlock way, my preferred method, preborn.com slash Jason. That's preborn.com slash Jason. And remember to send me an email telling me you did so. I love to get those emails. Got one today. Uh, it is inspiring. Let's me know that we're having an impact. Let's me know that you guys are listening to me and you're joining the fight to save babies' lives and change this culture that is fascinated with death and fascinated with killing babies. Let's fight against it. Preborn.com slash Jason. All right, uh, Royce, uh, Bryson, Donald Trump promised a major announcement today. Guys, I want to, if you haven't seen it, I want to play you Donald Trump's major announcement. Uh, I'm not sure. This really stretches the, the word major, and I'm going to have to go to the dictionary to find out what major means after watching this uh, major announcement. Let's play the video. Hello, everyone. This is Donald Trump, hopefully your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington, with an important announcement to make. I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. These cards feature some of the really incredible artwork pertaining to my life and my career. It's been very exciting. You can collect your Trump digital cards, just like a baseball card or other collectibles. Here's one of the best parts. Each card comes with an automatic chance to win amazing prizes like dinner with me. I don't know if that's an amazing prize, but it's what we have. Or golf with you and a group of your friends at one of my beautiful golf courses, and they are beautiful. I'm also doing Zoom calls, a one-on-one -on -one meeting, autographing memorabilia, and so much more. We're doing a lot. My official Trump digital trading cards are $99, which doesn't sound like very much for what you're getting. Buy one and you will join a very exclusive community. It's my community, and I think it's something you're going to like, and you're going to like it a lot. They also make perfect gifts. So you can buy them with your credit card or crypto. All you need is an email address. Go to collecttrumpcards.com and buy your Trump digital trading cards right now before they are all gone and they will be gone. This is my first official Trump trading card NFT collection and you get a chance to meet me. Go to collecttrumpcards.com right now and remember Christmas is coming, and this makes a great Christmas gift. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Gentlemen, when, when I first saw this, I, I, I thought it was a spoof. I thought it, someone was making fun of Donald Trump's major announcement, and I went and looked and looked and looked, and I was like, this is the major announcement. Uh, is, is, is this a sign, uh, Royce, I'll start with you. Is this a sign Donald Trump is, is giving up? Has he retired perhaps as a serious political figure? I think Donald Trump is 75 plus years old and his time is limited no matter whether or not he, he, um, wins in, in 2024. Uh, his, his time is limited and, you know, 
I'm I'm all good with it, right? I mean, great. Donald Trump card, sell whatever Donald Trump stuff he can. At the end of the day, when he's done, if he wins or if he doesn't win, um, he's still going to have to be able to use money as a as a vehicle to hopefully fund a true American first candidates and and be a part of the process. You know, we have to we have to start to build an alternative economy, and and the way that we do that is through through ventures like this. It might have sounded kind of corny or cheap. Well, it did sound corny and, and cheesy, but you know that that that's that's all good. Bryce is 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 he waving a white flag? My thing was this. I don't have a problem with the cars per se, right? <clears throat> Capitalism. My issue is at a time when you would now say run for 2024, when you say something is a major announcement, did you see the theories that people had? <clears throat> Speaker of the House, he's announced something huge. Oh, this is going to be big. For you to do that, for that announcement to be trading cars because you're trying to make some money during the Christmas season, it just seemed... It seemed below Trump. I thought it was a joke, too. This seemed below a presidential candidate. So I have no problem with the cars per se, but it's, it's, it's turned off a lot of people on Twitter. I ain't going to lie. I've been, I've been reading the comments. It's not a good look for his campaign. Royce, I, 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 it sounds like you're hedging your bet. Maybe you want more information, and I don't blame you. But I, I look at this and think... He's been in this fight for a long time. No political figure has been attacked this relentlessly by such a large group of Republicans, Democrats, left wing, never Trumpers, the media. It's been a sustained attack. And so I could see it creating paranoia, mental fatigue, particularly for someone 75 years old. And so I I almost see this as a clever way of diminishing himself and making it less likely that he could win a nomination in the Republican primary system over Ron DeSantis. And so, you know, there's all different kinds of ways to quit. And and, and instead of announcing, hey, look, I'm done, there's a way to self-sabotage and I say that because I used to, this is how I used to end relationships because I, I didn't want to get married. I would self-sabotage them and, and do things with people. Well, that's gotta be, that's the dumbest thing in the world I've ever seen. You hit on her cousin? Really? Really, you tried to, and, and it was a, it wasn't even a conscious thing. It's just like a subconscious way of undermining so I could avoid a result that, that I would. And so that's what I see here. I see a guy that's fatigued and is backing his way out of this and turning things over to Ron DeSantis rather than quitting. The times make the warrior. You know, uh, individuals will either rise uh, to the occasion or or they'll fall and in, in defeat. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's the destiny for all of us in our individual journeys or in our public political uh, endeavors and ventures. Um, but but let's get serious about one thing. He does have to raise money. He does have to raise money and all of his donors or not all of his donors, but a lot of his donors are fleeing for the center because in 2016, a lot of a lot of these donors saw the potential to ride a wave and hedge their bet on whether or not Donald Trump could get it done. 
And 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 in light of the the midterms or an entire centrist movement, you're seeing a lot of people who did back Trump in 2016 jump ship and go to DeSantis. And it's not on principle. It's not on righteousness. It's not on a divine inspiration. It's not on the protection of American citizenship. It's 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 for lukewarm conservatism. And I got into this argument with Christian Walker, you know, on his Twitter space. It was the first time I'd ever been on one. But he was on there saying that, you know, now to be America first or, if you know, if you're a rhino, it just means that you don't pray to Mar-a-Lago. And it's like, no, no, being a rhino is still what it's always been. Republican in name only people that 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 try and preserve the corrupt status quo and, and whether take DeSantis and Donald Trump from out of it from a personal standpoint. Let's talk about the people who are backing them and what the implications of the people that are backing them tell us. They want a more moderate, lukewarm candidate. The entire fight inside the Republican establishment right now after 2022, the the uh, what, what do they call it? The um, uh, the 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 review of the 2022 election is that the candidates were too extreme. That's why we didn't have the red wave, which is a complete lie. The Republican establishment sabotaged many of the extreme candidates for rhino moderate candidates. And so a lot of MAGA support at the grassroots level didn't show up to vote because they know who the who the rhinos are. They know who the Mitch McConnells are. They know who the Kevin McCarthy's are. They know who Oz was. And and, and yes, Donald Trump endorsed Oz. And, and that was an error, in my opinion. And, and I talked about why he did that already, because he was looking at wins versus losses. But the man has to raise money. And what we don't understand in the political movement or in America in general, it pisses me off. The banking cartel is squeezing out the middle market. Anybody who has a business and a bank loan and a covenant right now is having their banker come to them and say, if you don't make covenant, we're coming to take your business. We're coming to take your assets. That's the middle market. And who is the bigger, don't, biggest donor base for the Republican Party? And specifically the MAGA movement. It's the middle market. The nation of shopkeepers. So he understands this. And the political people that are around him, the people who understand the economics, they know that we're going to go into a downturn here in the next 12 months economically, where many of the shopkeepers who, who were able to donate substantial amounts of money to Donald Trump won't be able to do it. He has to reinvent a grassroots small donation strategy. And if it's if it's Donald Trump cards, that's part of the uniqueness that he brings to the political landscape that a Ron DeSantis couldn't do. Nobody would buy a Ron DeSantis card. So, he, you know, he's unique in that way. Do it. If it works, do it. We're in a war. Bryson, you think people will buy this stuff? No. <clears throat> a few people, yeah, but... Looking at the reaction, there's a lot of people who are like, okay, I love Trump, but this is like, this is just, a lot of people just don't like it. This is not an attractive thing. And I feel like he's, he's made, Trump has made a few moves since his announcement that just marketing-wise was terrible. And I, and I don't understand who's advising him to do these things. And even, I mean, don't get me wrong, you do have to raise money, that's true. But I think if you actually look at the cars, Trump, doesn't, he doesn't even own them. It's about another LLC. And they're just using Trump's likeness and image for the card. So, um... I don't I like is it really raising money for his campaign or was he just the person that they paid for NFT for for an NFT digital card thing? Um, I mean, once again, I, I think Trump just brings bring the rallies back, uh, bring back Trump because so far it's not it's, it's not the, the rallies. People are saying the rallies are meaningless, that 
ballot harvesting is where it's at. And so, so what? You can get a bunch of people to come out to a rally. So what? You can get a bunch of people to come to the polls. If you can't, if you don't have a bunch of ballots to harvest and to have mailed in and through that process, it's irrelevant. And so part of this, when I look at this, I feel sad. I, I, I feel like if things have gotten so bad that this is what Trump has to turn to, and if, if I take Royce's narrative as factual, that, that it makes me think, well, the globalists and, and the new world order has just snuffed out another movement, the MAGA movement, no different than the Occupy Wall Street movement or any of these other movements that kind of uh, spring up. The globalists have a way of just snuffing them out, wearing them out. You know, the, the MAGA movement was the strongest and it led to Donald Trump being president for four years, but it feels like the other side has just doubled down and said, Never again. We, we, you know, we're going to, we've locked up all these political prisoners over January 6th, and we've harassed Trump uh, and, and made him spend a lot of money on lawyers and, and a lot of energy worried about the efforts to put him in jail. I go back and look at, I mean, th there's been so many tricks and scams. They went and raided this man's home under some pretense. And the American public doesn't care that that was a hoax, that, that nothing came of that. So <clears throat> my thing about the thing where rallies don't matter, barley ha uh, harvesting does, you have to listen to what Roy said. A lot of Republicans sat out because they didn't want to vote for these moderate candidates. No matter what people think, that is a statistical fact. Not only that, as I stated here before, uh, if you look at the, the exit polls of 2022, Republicans actually gained in every single voting category except for unmarried women and the LGBT. So with that being said, we can blame ballot harvesting all day and we can make up excuses for why things went the wrong way. We can do that type of stuff. But marketing does matter. And the left is already going to bash Trump. So Trump can't afford to have his own base not excited to vote for him. And things like this car situation, or things like the thing he said about the, con the Constitution, even though it was taken out of context, the thing he said about the, the Constitution, that is not a good look for his base. So now, you, now not only do you have the left fighting against you, now your own base is like, I don't know if he still got it. So the, what the rallies would do is that's when Donald Trump shines the most is at his rallies. That's when his speeches are able to, to, to shine the most. That's when, because the rallies are always lit, be getting 100,000 views on right side broadcasting on Rumble and of course he'll he'll get free airtime on CNN for simply saying something that Donald Trump would say so I feel like that's what Donald Trump shines most I'm just saying he needs to get the base hype because right now the base is not excited for for what he has going on currently Royce is, is the is the MAGA movement on the ropes is it is it in trouble of of being stomped out no 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 there, there is no MAGA movement it's not about MAGA. It's not about Donald Trump. The, 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 the two fighting uh, interests are nationalism versus globalism. And it's that simple. Donald Trump was a representation of a more nationalist mindset and policy. 
although he did some very centrist things, and, and, I, and I've been open and critical about those things, and I think the base should too. Uh, and, and the MAGA movement is a, is a representation of nationalism or the move back to a nationalist policy mindset versus a globalist one. And so the, the, the MAGA movement can never be snuffed out because globalism has run amok. Uh, the, the only way the movement gets snuffed out is if, if people at home um, get too tied up in Donald Trump as the, the, the deciding factor of their own political motivation. So, yeah, I wouldn't agree that I would I would say that if I was advising Donald Trump, he does need to go back to the rallies and he does need to make more appearances and he does need to speak more often. If I was him, I would get a podcast. I wouldn't try and uh, sit back and, and sort of rest on the momentum that was already built from 2016. Movements and leaders within movements have to continue to reinvent themselves and and speak to the times and resolve certain places where they may have been wrong. And I think that he was wrong on the vaccine issue. And I think that that's hurting them a lot as well with the MAGA base. Um, But but ultimately, what Donald Trump does or doesn't do should not in any way impact the seriousness and urgency with which people decide to participate in 2024, because I'll tell you this, we are three clicks away from a nuclear exchange with Russia. We're bombing Russia now 400 miles inside of Russia. So we're at war with Russia, whether the Congress wants to declare it an official war or not. When we say we're going to give Patriot missile systems to the Ukraine, that's it, baby. We're at war with Russia. OK, so we, we have that on the table. But the, 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 the central bank digital currency, the, the projection of food, all of this stuff is coming to a, a head. So if people are going to rest their participation on Donald Trump's words and actions, then they're cucks. I mean, I don't know how many times I have to come on and say it. I mean, you're a cuck. I, as an American citizen, as a man, as a God-fearing man and a Christian, am not resting on what Donald Trump does or doesn't do to get motivated to go out there and, and fight back. If you're doing that, you're a waste of our time. You know, just sit on the bench then. Sit on the bench. Go ahead and, you know, sit. get your pom-poms out and your fan cards and your and your uh, Donald Trump bobbleheads or whatever other type of, you know, weird, uh, sycophantic memorabilia that you get off on. You go do that. That's that's not what this is about. We are in a full blown war with a foreign power. Grow up. Royce, what do you think about and Bryson? We'll start with you, though, Royce, about some of the moves Ron DeSantis is making in particular. He's basically said he's going to start his own CDC. Uh, He's throwing out smoke signals like. He's going to try to do something to hold Big Pharma, these companies, accountable for the vaccine mess. Uh, it, it appears like Ron DeSantis continues to take aggressive, bold steps that would be appealing to people that are perhaps frustrated or confused by Donald Trump. It seems like DeSantis is, is doing some things that would be attractive to Donald Trump's base. Why would the banks be why would the banks be running to Ron DeSantis right now? Why? Why would this? I mean, we have to look at this thing. You know, there's two things. There's what people say and there's who people are. 
And then, and then there's, and then there's the circumstance that surrounds an individual. This is not a, a, a hit on Ron DeSantis as a person, you know, personally. Although I have serious questions about DeSantis's view on foreign policy and the military-industrial complex, I think the entire conservative movement has huge gaps in its understanding of politics and geopolitics surrounding the military-industrial complex. And, you know, Ron, he served in the Navy and everybody wants to get gung ho because he served in the Navy. And it's like, you know, every man who takes orders is not an honorable man. Let's get serious. There are people who take orders that are not righteous. The war in Iraq was not a righteous war. The war in Afghanistan was not a righteous war. Most of the wars since World War II, including World War II, were not righteous wars. We know that now. That's, that's, un, that's been unredacted. That's been dis- declassified. We understand what our intelligence agencies and, and Defense Department have done in the shadows. So why won't Ron speak to that? And, and if he does, he doesn't make it an emphasis. I would think as a Navy man where your brothers and sisters who you went arm to arm with into some of these battles would be the highest priority on your list. Right. Why, why, why doesn't he make an emphasis to talk about Russia and Ukraine? These are my questions. Now, you know, maybe maybe he has good answers and we'll see in a, in, in a short time here because the Russia Ukraine conflict will be a centerpiece of this 24 you know, presidential <clears throat> debate. Because I guarantee you will still be at war then, um, if, if not even deeper in the war. So it's, it's not about Ron DeSantis as a personally. My my intuition is. Why are the same establishments and institutions that put us in this position now betting on DeSantis? Are they betting on him because they think he'll actually do the things that he says that will take power away from them? Who would believe that? Who would believe that the central banking cartel is now raising fundraisers with Nikki Haley and Pompeo to sort of create this buffer, you know, this 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 bait and switch buffer to promote DeSantis as the next guy, right? Nikki Haley Rhino to the max, military industrial complex, Pompeo, former director of the CIA. I mean, he's straight up spooked to the max. Uh, Why would the banks be betting on this guy? I mean, if they do, they if they really believed that he was going to be this staunch figure that pushed the status quo back and he wouldn't be able to be bought off. Why would they throw their money down? Money talks. Your take on DeSantis. Yeah, so the first thing I want to say is, Russ is right about MAGA, because I view MAGA as more of a movement about America, not about Trump, even though people make it solely about Trump. So if you're basing everything you do on Trump, then that is an issue. Um, with Ron DeSantis, I, I was criticizing Ron DeSantis before it was cool. Like people that, A lot of people that criticize Ron DeSantis now is solely because of what Trump said. You know what I'm saying? People don't do their own research. But what I will say is the same criticism I, ha- I have for Ron DeSantis can also be to Trump. So people talk about, um, like Royce brought up, um, the people supporting Ron DeSantis. Trump endorsed McCarthy. You know what I'm saying? Trump, Trump endorsed these same rhinos, or Trump has recently got backed by rhinos, or Trump has been uh, funded by big pharma in some ways. But I still, I still like Trump, and um, that's not even to praise Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis did support red flag laws. That's a fact. Uh, he did promote the jab. That's a fact. Uh, Ron DeSantis. Um, supported supported lockdowns at the beginning. That's a fact. So he should be criticized. So I don't understand why there. I don't understand why. The movement is running to people in general, like to specific people. I know that's what we're used to, right? Because you got to vote for somebody. But uh, I feel like there's much more things we can do that would be more productive than hoping 
be waiting for a savior because the only savior we got is Jesus Christ, Yeshua. So um, I do think we need to sort of redirect our energy in ways that we can fight back. And I do also want to know how he feels about foreign policy. And I want to know what him and Trump thinks where we're going to end up uh, with Russia and how we can handle that situation. Give me some of these alternatives other than looking for politicians. What, what should we be doing? Oh, like I always say, the most important thing is culture. Because the liberals, while the liberals, like it or not, the liberals win in every aspect of life. <laughs> That's why everything you watch, everything you wear is owned by liberals, because they win. And the reason why is because they understand it's not just about politics. Why do you think Fetterman won if he couldn't really give a speech? Why did he just won one of the best dress of the year because he didn't win a speech? It's because they know how to market. They have marketed themselves to the point where voting for a Republican is a bad thing. We don't own anything in entertainment. We think things are corny. We oh, we don't like rap music because we conservative or we don't we're not into fashion because we conservative. So the way to do it is we have to start a parallel economy and we have to get out there on these platforms. And I'm going to give you one that a lot of people are going to disagree with. TikTok. A lot of conservatives hate TikTok. Right. Oh, we don't want to be on TikTok because China, China got your information. That's over with. Cut it out. Let's stop it. <laughs> it's true. If, I mean, it's reality. If you're not on TikTok, that's why your kids are going a string away from your from your point, from the parents point of view, because the liberals are on TikTok. All the little weirdos that be in the White House, all the people with the green hair, the homosexuals, the transgenders, they're on TikTok. Conservatives are scared to be on TikTok, so they're not on there. We already start from a position of a negative because we get banned more than other people. But we need to be on TikTok. We need to be influencing kids. We need to make it like I hate to sound so shallow, but we need to make it cool to be a conservative. That's why I went to the fashion show, the Georgia Armani fashion show in Miami with the MAGA hat on. You know what I'm saying? That's why that's why I go to these NBA games with like, you know, because because we, we, you have to be able to influence kids and kids. No, no disrespect. These younger people don't really care about somebody in suits all day. Talk a politically correct, like a no disrespect, like a Ben Shapiro or something like that. I, that's a fascinating te- uh, point of view. Royce, I, I want you to follow in on that. What, what do you think of Bryson's take? 100 percent spot on. You know, I mean, it's just 100 when, when I came into the movement and I decided to run for Congress, I went to speak at a, a few, uh, you know, uh, congressional district conventions or, or you know, uh, meetings. And the first thing I said was. We have to make conservatism cool. And that doesn't mean that we have to we can make it cool without, um, you know, without going against our basic principles and morals and ethics. I mean, to think that rap music could only be, I mean, Bryson has proven rap music doesn't only have to be what we've come to hate, but it's not just rap music. It's the entire arts and culture of America. They own it. They bought it. They're willing to use it and weaponize it. They've they've created it. They've they've used it as a, a Marxist cudgel and they've been very successful at it. And that is the more meta political battle that's going down here. All of the artists, all of the entertainers, most of the comedians and the comedians, they, you know, they told the line. They're on the fence a little bit. But most of them, for the most part, the TV shows, we have to create a new culture in this country. Politics is downstream from culture. So I would agree 100 percent. That's part of the reason yesterday people some people got on because I led the show yesterday with Alex Stein and the way him trolling Barstool. But. I love it. I, I, I love the fact that like he's like Borat, but he's a conservative. 
and, and has my value. So why not support him? And yes, it, it's not a style that I personally would do at 55, but that disruptive, in your face, uh, and again, he, he said just flat out like, yeah, this is the kind of stuff Barstool used to do before they went woke. And so he, he's basically taking their strategy and using it against them. And he's becoming the real rebel and showing you who the real rebel and kids are attracted to rebelliousness. And so, and Bryson, I saw, and I think we have uh, an excerpt uh, from Bryson's uh, latest, he did a rap song with Alex Stein. Uh, <laughs> <Drag>. <laughs> it's, called drag. it's called Drag Queen, man. It's, it's, uh, his verse is hilarious, bro. I think we have that. Nod your head, Christian. If I'm right, I think we have. Yeah, let's play. Let's play uh, Bryson's latest <laughs> rap song with Alex Stein. Hey, hey, hey. Somebody got to do it. Got soldier. Hey, Bryson Gray, Alex Stein, let's get it. Hey, hey, ooh. Everybody mad. Y'all ain't fed up, they got y'all kids watching drag. And it lights trippers while them kids give them cash. Teachers tell them they can change genders and class. Ooh, I got everybody mad. Y'all ain't fed up, they got y'all kids watching drag. And it lights trippers while them kids give them cash. Teachers tell them they can change genders and class. They say, why you burn a pride flag in your video? Boy, I'm Bryson Gray, I'm not LaCrea, Andy Minio. That's not a diss, just the truth. What you tripping for? I preach the Bible, what else would I be in it for? We told y'all about them slippery slopes, not even this. Hate speech to tell them the truth, but they gon' listen though. Have you ever read Romans 1? What about the ending though? Talking about living, let live. Y'all let them in a go. This is called righteous judgment. What type of parent let the son dress like a woman? I used to think I was Spider Man. I wasn't. Y'all think it helped him a lot, but it doesn't. Ayy, it's gonna get worse until we fight back. GOP promoting trainers now. I don't like that. His kids lost on the wild path. Get on the right track. Proverbs 17 15. Go recite that. Ooh. Everybody mad. Y'all ain't fed up. They got y'all kids watching drag. And it lights trippers while them kids give them cash. Teachers tell them they can change genders and class. Ooh, I got everybody mad. Y'all ain't fed up. They got y'all kids watching drag. And it lights trippers while them kids give them cash. Teachers tell them they can change genders and class. Ooh, yo, Bryson Gray. Why they gotta turn every kid gay? What's wrong with the people today? And you know a homie don't play. Going gay. I don't care what the media say. I'm so sick of the dancing. No, y'all better not be prancing. I've been a thong in front of a kid and his mom. You know that it's so wrong. That kid should be playing Donkey Kong. Not looking at a man in a thong. Y'all, this is so sick. And you know y'all better quit. You know this is the truth. When I spit up in the booth, I'm proud to. And you know I grind and shine Bryce and Gray ain't going gay Not tomorrow, not today And a homie don't play We will call you out And you know I scream and shout And you know I got that clout I'm a pimp, I own a blimp And I can see it from outer space Don't do a drag race You are a big disgrace Stop all of it You know you better quit. 
Where did y'all, did, were y'all in the same place? <laughs> well, I, I had a uh, performance in Dallas and he was there. And I had my camera. I said, bro, let's just, let's just get the scenes now, bro. And he is like, that's my first time meeting him. And I said, this man is really crazy, though. Like, yeah. not even just no internet stuff. Like, something like he crazy. It's, it's, I, I, I love this stuff. And that's why I have you on, have Bryson on. That's why Royce, young guy as well. I, I just, we have to be in this culture war and creating our own culture and doing things that attract young people. And it, it, it's, <laughs> plus the beat, man, and the, the rap is good. It's not, it's not some corny stuff. It's yeah. good music. Yeah, they, I mean, I, like I said, I used to, I was, I was popular where I'm from for making secular and worldly music. You know what I'm saying? When I fully gave my life to God, I said I need to take that same thing I'm doing there and doing it for God because I can't stand Christian rap music. I'm not gonna lie. I think a lot of it is like subpar and mediocre. Um, so I mean, but that's subjective. And I was like, you know, we need to do it. And Alex Stein doing it with comedy. Royce White, do, Royce White doing it online. We need to do that. That guy's march, by the way, the march for God. I'm a, every time I talk to Royce, I'm gonna tell him about that until we do it. Um, and you got to do it with film, fashion, everything. Like, like he said, you got to make conservatism cool. We don't have to change our values to do it. I mean, you don't really get much more controversial than me. <laughs> Royce, you got any rap skills at all? Because uh, I may have a song I want you to guest on. Look, I, I just don't know if I could show you these things. You know, if, if I start showing you guys my rap <laughs> skills, people will say that I'm a grifter. I'm just trying to do whatever I can to make money, right? Uh, but no, I, uh, I, I I agree with Bryson. I think that the culture is most important. And, and in many ways, we've just abnegated our role or our, our uh, contribution to culture. You can't do it. Can't do it. We won't win. Their, their pitch is so much better than ours. Their pitch is anything goes. That's a good pitch. Yeah, it's it's a pitch to certainly winning with young people. Guys, stay where you are. I want to switch up and talk about Elon Musk, but first I want to talk a little bit about uh, our good friends over at Nugenics. Uh, getting older is a big adjustment. It's like you're young and healthy, and eventually it gets hard to stay healthy. Next thing you know, uh, you realize you're not so young, but you're not exactly old either. Then it gets worse. You might have get more of a dad bod or early 2000 Whitlock bod, which some people call an elephant body. Uh, but it's not your fault. <laughs> As men age, our bodies naturally lose testosterone. That's because when you were younger, you were at your peak of production. Wouldn't it be nice to get that winner's edge again <clears throat> and that old swagger back in your step? Nugenics Total T is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC. It will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. Nugenics Total T contains man-boosting key ingredients like Testofen, which has been validated in five clinical studies. What Nugenics Total T does is boost the free testosterone that, aid, that the aging process robs you of so you'll feel stronger and leaner with more energy and drive. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text FEARLESS to 231231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with the key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. Text FEARLESS to 231231. Text FEARLESS to 231231. 
Texting enrolls you in a reoccurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. You can email me and us at fearlessblazeshow at gmail. Don't go anywhere. We're going to do a little bit more with uh, Royce White and Bryson Gray on Elon Musk. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back. Uh, We're going to continue my conversation with uh, Bryson Gray and Royce White. We're going to talk, we're going to move, though, away from Donald Trump and talk about Elon Musk, uh, who's been in the news since taking over Twitter about two months ago. He, he, well, there's a lot to unpack here. And so I I want to start with you, Bryson, because you've been tweeting a lot of interesting stuff about Elon Musk. You were suspended on Twitter. Uh, for a brief time, you have a lot of mixed or strong opinions about Elon Musk. And so I just want to start with a general, and I'll start with you, Bryson, and I'll ask Royce, just a general, how should we feel about Elon Musk leadership of Twitter? Just want to start there. Well, to me, it's about <clears throat> who Elon Musk is as a person, right? And uh, not to say he's not doing good things. He's doing good things with CP, because I don't know if we can say the actual phrase on on the show. Uh, I'm not saying he's not doing anything good. But who he is as a person, we have to remember this is an agnostic or atheist person who's trying to use scriptures out of context on Twitter to respond to somebody. Uh, We have to remember that this man is trying to put chips in your brain. And two years ago, conservatives were disgusted by by Neuralink. I remember, I've been in this movement long enough, but now that Elon Musk owns Twitter and claims to be for free speech, now conservatives are like, well, he's doing it for good reasons, you know? Even though he said on Joe Rogan podcast, we can't beat AI, so we might as well merge with it. He wants us to merge with AI, which was his initial reasoning for Neuralink. And this is, he said it's on Joe Rogan podcast, anybody can look it up. So we have to start with that. The issue I have is when he does a few good things, the man that wore a Satan costume on Halloween and is still his Twitter avi and changed his location to hell on Twitter, that guy, when he said when he does a, a few good things that clouds people's judgment, because I feel like everybody has this thing where, where they are desperate for a savior, like I said earlier, and I don't think Elon Musk is somebody that should be trusted. I'm not saying he won't eventually potentially bring free speech to Twitter, but a lot of things he has said, amnesty, false. He called himself a free speech absolutist, false. If that's the case, Kanye West wouldn't have been kicked off for inciting violence when he literally didn't incite violence. Or Alex Jones would be on instead of him justifying why he's not allowing Alex Jones back on because of his personal feelings. So um, he has went back on his word, I mean, at least 12 times I can count. Uh, And I'm not saying he won't ever bring it back, but I'm just saying put things in perspective and let's not forget who we're dealing with. That's that's it. Royce, how should we feel about... uh Elon Musk and how he's running Twitter. Um, I don't really feel any 
particular way about how he's running Twitter. He's a spook. That's it. I'm not. I'm not afraid to say it. And and you know, I'm not saying that I'm 100 percent right. What do you mean by spook? What do you mean by spook? Define that. Your use he's of that. He's working for the government. He's working for the deep state. It is what it is, and a lot of these people are. And we and we are uh, often misled by you know distractionary things that these people do in the in the public square, like Bryson says. But when you really pick through their their history uh, and, and their and their body of work. You, it becomes very clear what interest they they work at the behest of, and and right now the the biggest uh, canary in the coal mine when it comes to Elon Musk is the Tesla business itself, and and what the implications are of the Tesla business, uh, you know the environmental racket will be the herald of the fourth industrial revolution and global governance, and he is at the center of the climate. Uh, initiative, the environmental racket. And not only is he at the center of it uh, here in America, but also there in China. He's like the he's like the railhead between the the, the China and uniparty American, uh, you know, treasonous movement. He, he's the guy. He's their guy. Uh, he's a technocrat. And, and uh, until he in, until let's talk about Twitter specifically until he lets Alex Jones back on. I see everything he's doing on Twitter as a false flag. To be honest, I mean, I don't care how I don't care what right wing, more conservative talking points he comes out and echoes online that that doesn't fool me. I mean, you can fool children with that kind of stuff. You can fool a 13 year old by, you know, going on the AIM. I'm old. So, you know, we used to have AIM. I go on AIM and I say something that I know other people are like and that makes me feel special or, or, or you know, it, it makes me liked at school the next day or whatever. Come on, man. This petty it's childish. The man wants the man believes in technocracy. He believes in uh, artificial intelligence. He believes in a in a in an atheist future. Uh, why would we trust him? Well, I mean, because people can evolve, people can move positions, and so and, and it's not that I'm saying all of this is going on, but the richest man or second richest man in the world is a pawn of the government is, yeah. is your assertion. Yeah. And, him, and, Bezos, and, him, Bezos, uh, a lot of them are. I mean, you know, how, how do people see we have this like kind of weird delusion in, in America that you can actually become a hundred billionaire and not have ties to, to government trade and markets. The people who Amazon building technology for the CIA and the Department of Defense. <laughs> Elon Musk is the prototypical globalist. He's so globalist, he's launching rockets off this planet to go, you know, cultivate another planet. I mean, he's the evolution of globalism, right? Globalism on steroids. So, yeah, I mean, and, it, and I'm not saying that people can't evolve, um, but do people have to should we while we're watching, judge people in their evolution based on the things they're currently doing. I think that's prudent. I'm not saying, you know, Paul was a was a blasphemer and and and, and didn't believe in God and became uh, one of the hugest figures in, in in the Catholic Church or in the Christian faith. But once he started to actually do those things, is when when he was revered. We didn't we didn't do it while he was still a blasphemer. And Elon Musk is is not only a blasphemer; he's like a, a tyrant. He's he's a he, he beckons a lot of things he's doing and say hearken towards tyranny. 
So, I mean, he has to leave those things in order for me to trust him. I'm, I'm, I'm totally open to him evolving. Great. And he do, listen, he doesn't even have to believe in Jesus Christ or God in order for me to change my position on him. But what he does need to do is pull out of the environmental racket. He does need to switch his position about putting chips in people's brains that would allow the government to track them in any, or, or, or pervert their thinking in an even more overt way. He does have to change his opinion on letting Alex Jones back on Twitter. I mean, come on. These are just basics. So there's nothing to my contention. I'm going to own this that like, hey, there's a process to putting Alex Jones back on Twitter. There's a process of moving Twitter towards free speech if you do it all at once. And maybe I sound like uh, the founding fathers 200 years ago saying, hey, we can't just end slavery right now because we'll the country will never get started. If we end slavery right now, let's say in 1775 or 1770, we'll never launch the United States of America because of chaos and anarchy. And so there's a process. And so let's put a system in place. Let's put documents in place that will end slavery. I guess that's my optimistic narrative on Elon Musk, that he's doing certain things to, to put, he's putting certain things in place so that free speech can be restored in America at least, and certainly on Twitter and this platform, and, and that Alex Jones and other people, but, but if you do it all at once right now, he'll never survive. He'll either be killed, advertisers will run away immediately, and Twitter will collapse and end, and someone else worse than him will be running whatever replaces Twitter. Am I naive for thinking that perhaps he's just trying to put a process in place that, that doesn't lead to instant collapse of Twitter. And, and, and maybe I'm buying the smoke or buying the uh, smoke and mirrors that th there does seem to be a real threat to his safety and, and people do seem to be coming after to destroy Elon Musk, which makes me say, you know, because it's like everybody wants to pretend like Barack Obama was this great revolutionary figure. I never believed it and I said it at the time. I was like, when there's a legitimate threat on his life, that's when I'll believe uh, he's a revolutionary figure. If they're not trying to kill you, if they're not trying to put you in jail, you're not really a threat. And that's why I look at like someone like Trump, like, oh man, they're, they're really concerned about Trump, they'd like to put him in jail. And I look at Musk, maybe naively, and say, Oh, he must be a real threat. They're trying to really smear his character and reputation and trying to make him physically vulnerable and stir up enough animus that some crazy person will kill him. Uh, anyway, am, am I taking too naive a narrative on Elon Musk? So I, I think there's a difference, right? And there's a difference with you judge by the fruits. Like, like Roy said, I got to judge him by what he's doing now. When he changed, I'll judge him by that. What was Elon Musk's first tweet after he bought Twitter? It was, the bird is free. That's, and then his next tweet was, comedy is now, elite, I mean, now legal again on Twitter. He's a liar. He claimed he bought Twitter because he was a free speech absolutist. 
And then it's not as hard as what the founders did. Literally, and I'm not even being like <clears throat> over-exaggerating, to, to unban somebody is a click of a button. That's, that's I mean, that's, that's all it takes. It's one boop, click. And you, and you say advertisers, right? Here's a little thing about the advertisers. What was the point of buying it and claiming you was going to be for free speech? Did you not know you was going to need advertisers before? Of course. All social media runs on advertisements. So did you not realize that before? Like, he's either lying now or was lying then. At some point, he's a liar, though. So character comes into play. His fruit is not showing. Alex Jones is not back on, so it can't be free speech. I just got banned for calling Elton John gay. It can't be free speech. You know what I'm saying? This is the most I've seen people influencers at least get censored on twitter since i've been on twitter and with this one account i have i've been on twitter since 2014 i've never seen but we know it because go look up somebody go to elon Musk's twitter and see how many times he brags about hate speech being down how many times has he bragged about it and said hate speech is down how do you think that it, how do you think i that think happens? he's doing that and saying that because advertisers major ones most of them are threatening to pull away under this little false narrative, the Washington Post and the New York Times has ginned up that, oh God, it's, the hate speech is just running wild on Twitter and you, you shouldn't advertise, you gotta disassociate from, from Twitter. I, I think that's a tactic, it's a ploy. He's having to play a game he's having to play just to survive long enough to move the company out of San Francisco and to you know, a more safe place and environment a better place to recruit uh, employees from. Again, I'm taking a very sympathetic narrative on Elon Musk playing devil's advocate and maybe being hopeful, but that, that's what I see. Royce, jump back in here. It's possible. I mean, yeah, it's 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 possible. Okay, fine. I mean, I'm 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 okay with that. Maybe there is some some uh, extenuating circumstances behind the scenes that have him, you know, move, moving the way that he's moving. Um, it's a question of where he actually feels this society is and how important these issues are and and and, and what onus is on him as an individual to act on these things in, in the current. He may see this long game. A lot of people in his position see this sort of, you know, uh, super long intergenerational political game. Uh, but But my contention is that we don't have as much time as we think. And we should all be – actually, it was Elon Musk – who said this about artificial intelligence. He said that the exponential danger of artificial intelligence will not take on the same trajectory as other mistakes that we've made in the past. And he gave the seatbelt example with Ford, where, you know, at first they didn't want to use the seatbelts and a lot of people died. And by the time they did, you know, it, it, it changed the entire automotive, uh, automotive industry. Uh, he said, we don't have that same amount of time with AI. Well, we don't have that same amount of time with free speech either. We don't have the same amount of time with American constitutional values either or Christ, but he doesn't have a reference to that. He has a self-referentiality around that based on his own individual ambitions. And there are people out here in the world who are playing both sides against the middle. There are people who are running their own game within the dichotomies at the, in the jump ball. So yeah, he's sitting there in a position of power, maybe selected, between China and America, but he could be running his own game. He has enough money to be trying to attempt to run his own game within whatever position he's in. Another good example of Elon Musk is, is President Erdogan in Turkey, right? Everybody looks at Turkey as this sort of 
strange country, you know, geopolitically because they're somewhat tied to the Muslim world, somewhat tied to Europe, you know, but they're they're part of the UN. And so, you know, it's a it's a huge trade route right there next to Israel or on the other side of the Black Sea. So but but Erdogan's playing his own game and the Turks view themselves as their own entity. They don't view themselves as Muslim or Asian or European or, you know, they, they favor themselves European. You know, the, the, they, they would like to be European. The, the eye of Turkey is in Vienna, right? Um, but, but, yeah, he's playing his own game. The other day he came out and said, hey, time to kill some Kurds. Time to kill some Greeks. Let me into this Ukraine-Russia war. Because when you get in the war, black bags get dropped off at your front door. So, I mean, all I'm saying that is because Elon Musk strikes me as an individual whose ego and ambitions are big enough to be running his own game within this this entire political landscape from here to Beijing. The other part of my perhaps naive, sympathetic narrative is that he he's <clears throat> did not know when he took over that he would immediately be at odds with what I call the alphabet mafia, the LGBTQ crowd, which has an outsized influence in American culture, society, politics, the whole nine. I I think many people uh, have been late to recognize that Twitter has been the propaganda arm of the LGBTQ movement. That, that it is a shrine, it is their playground, it's their safe space, the, this Yale Roth or Yale Ralph, Roth or wh- whoever the Twitter safety, whatever, that resigned a month ago. Uh, he's an alphabet mafia soldier. Everybody's running the sympathetic articles that uh, this Yale Roth and his boyfriend or husband or whatever, they had to leave their home over threats. And, and, and I'm, I'm hoping it's becoming crystal clear to people that that's Twitter. Its primary function has been to normalize and popularize the alternative li- sexual lifestyle. And, and this guy, he and Elon Musk have gotten into it. And Elon Musk uh, put out tweets that uh, reflected that this guy, when he was in college, wrote a thesis about uh, why kids needed access to adult porn or mm-hmm. s- stuff like that. And, and, and you go look at this guy's old tweets, they're filled with references to porn and all this other stuff. And that's who's the head of Twitter's censorship campaign. It, 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 I, I think Musk was naive and didn't realize that he would be at war with that crowd but I believe he is at war. Any changes to Twitter that don't leave in place protection of and promotion of the LGBTQ lifestyle, these guys see as a declaration of war uh, and that killing me, and I say this here, killing Elon Musk is, is, is worth it to them. And that's why, and certainly killing his reputation is, is worth it to them. I, I think he's public enemy number one against the alphabet mafia. And, and Brandon, that's why I think what happened to you in terms of like, this guy knows who he's at war with. And when you start talking about Elton John 
and 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 they start running the average. Look, look at what the Bryson Gray, the anti-Trump or the pro-Trump guy, he's putting out all this hateful speech towards the LGBT. He called Elton John gay. That's hate speech. And and I think he's hypersensitive to that because that's the tool they're using trying to get him up. Didn't I see a story this morning where uh, somebody from that was with the Obama campaign? It was either yesterday or the day before. They're investigating his immigration status and whether he filled out his paperwork properly or whatever. This dude is a target, and it's the alphabet mafia that has him in the crosshairs. That's another reason why I'm sympathetic. I do not think he is the number one person against the LGBT. And the reason why is because he literally recently in the last couple of months bragged about how Tesla has been the most pro-LGBT uh, brand. He raised he's raising one of his children gender neutral. Um, I, I don't think I don't think it's that at all. Matter of here's the thing though, right? If you are relying on advertisement advertising, you are relying on the LGBT. Because most of the things dealing with hate speech is about LGBT. I mean, that's what most of it is about. It's either race or LGBT, which is most of it is about. And my, my thing about it is, at what point, get, see, I, look, I, I try to look to the future, right? Like, I play chess, so I try to look at things five steps ahead. And I'm trying to look and see, at what point would he not be relying on advertisers? The only, you know, feasible method would be Twitter Blue. But I think it would be irrational to think enough people will sign up for Twitter Blue to pay $12 a month, $8 a month for Twitter to the point where he can... He, to offset the the need for advertisements. So if he's waiting on, you know, you say he's waiting on, you know, to try to get around advertisers, I, I want to know, like a genuine question, at what point is there a feasible, is there a, is there a feasible point where he where we can say he won't need advertisers? Royce, you got any thoughts on my alphabet mafia narrative? Um, I, I think the, the alphabet mafia is the greatest example of a, a, a psyop demographic. Um, I think at the highest level, they're Luciferian, they're Satanists, and, and they have a very uh, strategic and organized, coordinated, um, uh, you know, approach to, to the to the narrative. But the people at the grassroots level, they're just spinning. They're just running in a rat rat, rat maze. And, you know, it, to me, it's like. Yeah, Elon Musk may be the scapegoat. Right. It's it's layered. It's 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 layered. And, and Elon Musk may be even if Elon is in on it. Right. Let's say Elon, let's say my theory is correct and Elon is a spook. He's working for the government and he thinks to himself, hey, let's see how far I could run this thing. You know, maybe I could maybe I could have a trillion dollars like King Solomon. Maybe they'll maybe they'll let me own a piece of Mars or whatever it is that he thinks. Doesn't mean they won't clip him out. People who are in on the scam always get clipped out most of the time. The people who are in on it, there are, you know, most of the time there are people who are intimately involved in the in the scam, in the in the robbery, in the deal, in the in the secret information that get clipped out for that very reason, who get a little too big for their britches sometimes. This is what we did. I'm trying to stress this. This is what we did. This is what the CIA was is is great at. On the record, they're admitting this. Gaddafi, uh, um, uh, Anwar Sadat, uh, Saddam Hussein. Um, uh, you know, uh, even Bashar al-Assad in some in some regard, go throughout history. We were there financing these people. We were financing the very people we put on the television and told the American people they need to fear. 
And then when they got too big for their britches and said, yeah, no, 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 we're, we're, we're big enough to go independent. You know, Saddam was like, yeah, you know, I got enough gold and enough control of Iraq. I don't really need the American government anymore. Clipped. Gaddafi is, oh, we should have a, 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 a singular African currency. Clipped. Erdogan, I, I mean, you know, uh, Anwar Sadat, I think I'll go to war with Israel. Clipped. So people who are in on the scam, who actually are working for the establishment, sometimes get clipped out and sometimes there's inner wars with, within, within the establishment. And Elon, in my estimation, the reason why the LGBTQ is upset with them is because they feel like he betrayed them. They feel like they're a part of this fourth industrial revolution transhumanism thing. And Elon Musk is now siding with the people who are Christian in some regard. So, yeah, he might get clipped out for pulling that move. Uh, but I'm just saying that doesn't mean that he's not a spook. OK, that, that's a separate argument. But that does mean that he potentially is public enemy number one of the alphabet mafia. Oh, yeah, no, he's up there. I'm not saying he's number one. I, I would say Donald Trump is one. He's up there. He's definitely up there. Yeah, he's a, as far as the LGBT, the LGBT hate a lot of people. Like, if you want to be honest, the LGBT hated Andrew Tate more than they hate Elon no, Musk. No, 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 no. Andrew Tate is just a voice on social media. He doesn't yeah. control a critical platform. Do you know why he got banned? I, I, he doesn't. Twitter is the number one tool of the alphabet mafia. Okay, so I have a, I have a question, right? It, j just to compare. Before he got banned, the LGBT, they did post calling for every platform known to man to ban Andrew Tate. I got All it. Of them. So my question is, can you give me a, because um, I'm on Twitter, I see everything. Can you give me a, 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 a comparable thing that they, the LGBT specifically has done with Elon Musk? That's, that's, that's I, I would think, you know, it's total speculation on yeah. my part, but again, Elon Musk has tweets out saying that someone was tracking a car yeah. last night mm -hmm. that thought he was in it and they were trying to harm him and his family. If that's LGBT, then I will agree. That's, that's, that's a lot worse. That's the <clears throat> amount of venom that's being stirred around him. Mm -hmm. And the people stirring the venom, venom is the alphabet mafia. This Yoel Roth, He's, at, he's one of the top soldiers in that whole movement. Mm -hmm. And he strategically placed to be in charge of censorship at Twitter. Again, it's no, I've talked about on this show, and again, I, I, as we continue this conversation, I just keep moving further and further up their hit list. Maybe I was 1,000. After today's show, I'll be 999. Who knows? But I keep, this is why I keep talking about. They dominate the human resources departments of corporate yep. America. Mm -hmm. The, yep. the, their HR head in most corporate America is an alphabet mafia soldier, and so they're the gatekeepers of who gets jobs and who gets promoted into leadership, who's even qualified for it. And so you'll have a heterosexual man with Christian values sitting in a corporate space, perfectly qualified, wanting to move up, wanting a bigger house, do for his family, blah, 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 and he knows he has to adopt their values to move up. He knows he has to betray his own Christian values to move up. And many of them are doing that because that's required. If you don't talk their talk in those key positions, you can't move up into them. So they control human resource. And what does human resource use as I wet my finger? Let me tell you which way the public and the wind is blowing. Twitter. 
Twitter lynch mobs, Twitter algorithms that portray, oh, Jason Whitlock said X, Y, and Z. Did you see how many people called him uh, homophobic or transphobic or uh, Uncle Tom or blah, 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 and the HR head will walk into his boss and look at what the people are saying on Twitter. Yep. How can we keep Jason Whitlock in this position? And Twitter, I, I, again, Bryson, I'm older than you. I've been in corporate America at mm -hmm. a high level. I know how Twitter was used against me and others. Twitter is the AR-15. It's the mass shooting gun weapon of the alphabet mafia. They use it strategically. The algorithms are rigged. That's why they put someone like Roth in charge to make sure that certain of you, me, Royce, are spotlighted and targeted and made radioactive. Oh, these guys are outside the norm, and that's not, and now every, uh, Twitter, the reason why the public perception, I wrote about this last week or the week before, I can't remember, but the, the reason why public sentiment around same-sex marriage changed on a dime. Twitter started in 2006. Mm -hmm. Go look at what the public thought in 2005 about same-sex marriage and then go look 10 years after Twitter and how it flipped. I have a question, though. <clears throat> Do you genuinely think Twitter is the LGBT use Twitter more than TikTok? I think statistically that would be impossible. To control public sentiment. Yeah, TikTok the is The media popular. is addicted. The media is addicted. If you, a propaganda tool controls the media. I get that TikTok's more popular, but if you want to control the media through propaganda, the media, that's, that, that's our newspaper of record, Twitter. So tw Twitter is more for news, but I'm saying, if you, if you need some propaganda to control people, though, because TikTok is more popular than any media. Okay, this is what I'm gonna say, though. Yeah. There's not a CEO of a mm -hmm. major corporation who knows a damn thing about TikTok. Oh, that's the whole, no, that's not true. Hears about it, but doesn't really, doesn't know it. Twitter? Their HR guys can bring, here's what's going on on Twitter, mm -hmm. and they understand it. When they come in and say, here's what's happening on TikTok, they ain't that for kids? Ain't that a child? They don't, it's not a good post for public sentiment. Oh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm only disagreeing because I study social media, yeah. and if you're talking about how to grab people, I'm just disagree on, on that fact. And also, once again, people like pa Pastor Steven Anderson, if you know who he is, he's literally banned from multiple countries for the LGBT. My whole thing is just call it Elon Musk the number one public enemy of the media, I would agree, but public enemy of LGBT, I, I can't, I, like, I don't even think Elon Musk is top five on that right there. <laughs> Personally. Royce, I'm gonna let you be the arbitrator final, and I, I gotta move on. Uh, you, you settle this dispute between me and Bryson. <laughs> I think I think Elon Musk is somewhere up on the list. I think I think we waste some time in trying to put a number to it. In in, in my honest opinion, doesn't really matter. Uh, what what I would caution people towards again is to to, to understand that. Um, the drones, the drones that are moving about, the zombies who get their their messages from from high up on on you know on on high, um, they're being psyoped to do all kinds of things. And and again, the CIA said we're great at this. We're great at creating the circumstance to have people assassinated, right? So when you look at that guy who's following Elon Musk and he has those manic liberal eyes, you know, leftist eyes, it's like you know that 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 could be a result of just the general conversation around Elon that came through the media, which I do agree the media is more Twitter based and TikTok based at this point. So so all of that's at work at the same time. 
But we should not trust Elon Musk. I mean, that, I, I can't tell you the amount of cuckery I'm seeing in the conservative movement for Elon Musk just for coming in and doing what he's supposed to do. You know, for me, and I'll say this, this is the last thing. I don't like when we judge our actions relative to what somebody else didn't do or what somebody else did that was corrupt. Our actions should be righteous and divine in and of their in and of their own in and of their own, you know, uh, uh, spirit. And, and so for Elon, for us to praise Elon, because the last people who owned Twitter were technocratic, new technocracy overlords is 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 ill placed. It's an ill placed trust. He's supposed to do what he's doing at Twitter. That's expected. We've come to not expect it because of the normalcy of corruption that we've been we've been sub, sub, subjected to. But but let's reorient everything Elon Musk is doing right now on Twitter with the files was showing us what was done behind the scenes. It's a, it's very, very fruitful, but it's what he's supposed to do. Let's raise the bar for our expectations of leaderships and people in the public square. Got it. That's like, you know, people used to, I used to go to a buffet when I was younger and I would overeat and people, yeah, that's what he was supposed to do. We expected that from Whitlock, so that's, that's a good stand. Thank you, Royce. Great job as always. Uh, hey, guys, have you struggled with shoulder pain? I have and do. Uh, let's say you've tried everything from stacking pillows to new sleeping positions, but nothing helped. What if I told you I found a solution called MedCline? MedCline Therapeutic Sleep Systems help those that struggle getting a good night's sleep. So whether you suffer from shoulder pain, nighttime acid reflux, and GERD, or both, the MedCline Padded Pillow System is your solution. It is designed to cushion your body in a sleeping position that is supremely comfortable, doctor-recommended, and clinically proven to provide effective natural acid reflux or shoulder pain relief and a better night's sleep. In fact, 95% of patients reported an overall improvement in sleep quality when using MedCline. MedCline sleep systems are not simple foam wedges. They are true medical devices, FDA registered, doctor recommended, and clinically proven to provide relief. The padded arm pocket allows for comfortable size sleeping the entire night. Plus, MedKind comes with a 60-night sleep guarantee. Put an end to your nighttime discomfort, and you can rediscover a good night's sleep with MedKind. Now get 20% off when you go to MedKind.com fearless. Get 20% off and a better night's sleep today at MedKind.com fearless. Today, get 20% off at MedKind.com fearless. Guys, I am using this myself. I told you this last week. I've been having shoulder pains from sleeping. Been using it, I think now for six or seven straight nights. I would say my shoulder uh, pain has improved 75 percent. 75. I could. It was hard for me to do that last week before I started that. Before I started using MedCline, it has helped me uh, tremendously. I'm sure it could do the same for you. All right, don't go anywhere. Get your Fearless Army swag. Shopblazemedia.com slash Fearless Tennessee Army. Dave Shannon and Pastor Anthony Walker. When 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Time for some Tennessee Harmony. Uh, before we get rolling, I want to mention Anthony uh, brought me a wonderful uh, Christmas gift. Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible. Uh, this is going to help with uh, my Bible study and uh, Dr. Tony Evans' Kingdom Man devotional. Uh, this will certainly help me start my day or end my day. Thank you so much. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, your church, your yeah. family, the whole deal. Oh, yeah. uh, Dave Shannon is going to join us uh, from Idaho for uh, this edition of Tennessee Harmony. We're going to pick up from our conversation yesterday about the churches being marriage factories. Uh, Pastor Anthony will ask you to uh, bless the conversation, then we'll get rolling. Father God, we're thankful for uh, all that you've done for us, all of your blessings. We're thankful most of all for uh, sending your son into this world to live for us, to die and be resurrected for us, to show us the way. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Dave, uh, did you get a chance to watch uh, yesterday's show, particularly the ending with Delano? I uh, hope you enjoy And uh, Delano wrote a column about uh, some YouTubers and their influence and the conversation around marriage and he used it to say, like, is Derek Jackson and did Kevin Samuels, did they replace the church as the leading marriage counselors uh, in the black community? Uh, I want your just general thoughts, Dave, off of our conversation yesterday and Delano's column. Well, first, I'm wondering where my president is from, Pastor Anthony. I, I ain't getting nothing. You act like Jason's the only person here. Where, where, where's my gift at? I want some. I'm going to put in my order from Amazon and send you what it is I want. So you just get ready to get me some Christmas gifts. Send me the list. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, yesterday's show was phenomenal. I was listening to every, everybody from Shamika all the way up to Royce to Delano um, and even TJ. It was really good. And so I, one of the things that I thought about was when I was getting married, I remember that I looked everywhere else for marriage counseling and advice than the church I was at because the church that I was at hadn't seen a successful marriage in it. Um, that I can remember. I hadn't seen a successful marriage in my family's generation, going back three generations, nor had I seen marriage inside of the church. The only couple that was married in our church and that stayed married was a white couple that was in our church. But I hadn't seen any black couples in our church. We were a smaller, charismatic uh, church, Pentecostal church, and I hadn't seen marriage at all modeled for generations. So when I was looking to get married, the one thing that I knew for sure, if I was going to get married and hold to a biblical standard of marriage, I was going to have to find it from some other place than the church that I was at. And so I remember 
going to all kinds of books and outside resources. We didn't have the internet as it was widely available to us then. We didn't have that ability now, so we didn't have those kind of popular uh, people talking. But there were other folks who were talking about marriage. We were watching Oprah. We were watching, trying to find some sort of resource to help us figure out what we were and how were we to interact with each other and if there was something wrong with me and marriage and since we didn't have those models. So I, I resonated a lot with with what um, Delana was talking about and the hunger for black people inside of a black context to figure out how in the world do we do this. And I think um, part of the problem that we have is that there we have committed ourselves to a, an outside source period of marriage instead of a biblical one. So when Paul mm. talks about in Titus, you know, he says, hey, man, there's things that you need to set up, Titus, that are not finished that need to be taken care of and done. The first thing that he does in order to protect households is he tells Titus to set up men who have good families who can teach men, women, Yet the younger women, how to have their household so that they don't be taken advantage of by false doctrine and false teachers. And so we we need a restoration, a deep restoration inside of the church. And it's really hard to say which one comes first, the chicken or the egg. I think it's kind of both in in the situation. And then we're going to have to have men put inside the proper positions inside of churches to teach the man, how, what the responsibility and role and, and duties are. And then for those men to teach the women and for the older women to teach the younger women to love their families. And then in doing all of that, what it does is it stops the mouths of the ones who want to proclaim falsities against you because everything's in order. And we're just, that's just not in our community right now at all. Anthony, what did you think about Delano's column yesterday's conversation? It's, you know, Delano hit it hard, uh, and it was good that, that he hit it. The church should be, uh, I think even uh, uh, Dave even mentions, the church is supposed to be a beacon of light. It's supposed to be God's people that gives the entire world an example of what you should be in anything, how a man is supposed to be a man, a woman supposed to be a woman, how a marriage is supposed to work. Uh, how you're supposed to raise your kids, how uh, they should be taught and educated. All of that should come from the church. Uh, listening to Dave talk about his experience, I had a, a better experience. Uh, my mentor actually was our counselor. Uh, here's somebody that has discipled me, uh, fathered me spiritually, and so he was our marriage counselor. And, and I, was, I loved it so much, I went back and got trained and certified in the same uh, counseling system that he did so that I could use that in our churches. One of the things that, you know, everybody has to answer, you've heard myself, you've heard Virgil talk about it. We have those questions of, you know, where did I come from? Why am I here? But the other question that we struggle with, in particular black people, is that third question of why do bad things happen to good people? Like we, we have to some kind of way handle our suffering. And what has happened historically over time with the church is that the church has become so much of a hospital and trauma center and therapy center that from the pulpit and even from our classes, we're spending more time trying to soothe, trying to encourage, trying to take care of some of the pains that you have 
but yet not challenging those areas and, and discipling and especially teaching in marriage. What uh, Dave literally brought up was one of the passages I was going to deal with where Titus is talking about, hey, older men, teach younger men how to be good men. Uh, older women, one of their specific responsibilities was even teaching young wives how to be good wives. So we should have a dynamic of older couples that are prepared to teach and help younger people in marriage so that they're not looking for outside sources. I like what you said about churches dealing with suffering or mm -hmm. some of it, what I might call perceived suffering sure. rather than let me teach you how to live and, and how to live the life God wants you to live to the fullest. And that's where I think the whole victim mentality and, and, and it's like we've lost sight of the fact we, we microaggressions. And when you compare that to the persecution Jesus experienced, mm -hmm. it's nothing. And it's and so I don't even know if a church should be dealing with, oh, well, so and so said this about me at <laughs> wherever. And I felt hurt and my feelings were hurt and I'm dealing. And, and it's like, well, hold on now. What Jesus went through, we don't even have time. Let me tell you about how to conduct your life. And so, again, that's where I would go back. And again, and this is where I agreed with Delano. And it's like, because the church is dealing with so much suffering or perceived suffering, mm -hmm. it's created this void that YouTubers are filling because people are there. People are people do want to have successful relationships. We just have the wrong people. Kevin Samuels, Derek Jackson, counseling them rather than the church. And again, like Delano used, churches should be marriage factories. Sure. And it feels like we're failing at that. That there we're not pumping out. We're overseeing more funerals uh, than mm -hmm. officiating uh, weddings. It feels like. So a couple of things to what you're what you're saying. The Hebrew writer would agree with you in terms of the severity of our sufferings. He literally says that we have not come to the point of shedding blood in reference to our sufferings. Peter, uh, one of the apostles, he also gives us a breakdown of how to live in a world that is antithetical to our faith. So how you want to categorize it as perceived suffering, suffering, frustrations or however, there is a dynamic of teaching that we have to address on, okay, this is how you live in a world that we know is backwards. Um, at the same time though, what you're really hitting on and what I understand, marriage needs to be defined by God. It was instituted by God. It is arranged by God. It is defined by God. If we step outside of that, even the qualifier that you give uh, just now, a successful marriage, what is that as it relates to God's word and not what the world looks at? The world leans into things like happiness. The world leans into their own identity. What was the uh, Maori uh, twin, uh, Tia or Tamara, that, that recently got divorced? And she said right. uh, the, one of the main reasons about that was, you know, I need to love myself. Well, what does God say about marriage? You know, Paul tells us that uh, my body is not my own. 
My wife's body is not her own. Uh, so this is not about me loving, you know, me. Paul would go on to tell us in Ephesians chapter five, the way that I love and cherish my wife is how I love me. The way that she respects and submits and loves me is how she loves herself. So again, I don't want the world to tell me about that. I need to hear from God as it relates to happiness. You'll never find a verse in the Bible that tells us that our marriage is for happiness. The world will tell you that. And when we follow the world in happiness, we start mixing it with God. And guess what we say? Well, God don't want me to be unhappy. Says who? Like he didn't even tell you about marriage being happy. Marriage is about being holy. So when I understand that marriage is a work, it is a union that God establishes, an institution of bringing two together to give earth a reflection of what heaven looks like and to extend his kingdom and, and his agenda into the world. This is a ministry. It's not just, you know, I'm cute, we cute, let's be cute together. Like this is a, a ministry, a work that is teaching. So there are times in marriage that you may not feel happy, but this is a work and it has implications presently and generationally. There were things that were going on in Abraham and Sarah's marriage that affect us today. So what me and my wife are going through, we have to work through that, not from a, I don't feel well today or I'm having difficulty today. No, this is gonna affect our children. They're gonna get a view of life and understand life and marriage by watching us. Our grandkids, our great, 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 great grandkids, their life is affected. I may never get to see them, but their life is affected by how great, great, great granddad and grandmama held together in marriage. That's the kind of stuff that a lot of churches don't lean into because we got to treat trauma and we got to, you know, we lean into worship for being such a high pivotal moment. And worship is great, but discipling is our main purpose. So if I put everything on Sunday morning, I put all of my teaching on Sunday morning, I put everything I got to do in two hours on Sunday morning. We understand why marriages uh, are failing. I'm asking this question to Dave first. I know you could answer it right now, Anthony, but I want to give you <laughs> some time to marinate as Dave answers gotcha. the question. Because Dave, if I heard Anthony correctly, and, and Dave's married, seven kids, uh, Anthony is basically saying, hey, don't get married with your expectations. Oh, this is going to make me happy. And, and so if not happiness, which I agree with Anthony's take, if not happiness, what should we what should our expectations be for marriage? What does marriage deliver to us? Well, I, I think you need to go back to the beginning, almost like all things to understand the original intent. Um, the Westminster Confession of Faith says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And one of the reasons that God made man was to model on earth, you know, this beautiful institution that is going to model be modeled in heaven, Christ and his own bride, right? And so God is giving Adam in the garden uh, this replica of what is going to be, Paul says, this wonderful mystery of a husband and a wife. And so when God gave Adam Eve, he was to model in all ways how God considers and thinks about his own people and thinks about man himself. And so what we get to do in marriage 
is to do what we're called to do in being image bearers, which is to model the beautiful glories of heaven and our God down here on earth. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so marriage is the process of God taking joy in his creation and, and beautifying this world through the love that he has um, within his own Godhead. And what we get to do as men is to model that here on earth. There is no greater joy than to live in unity uh, with the, the creator who made you, that you get to model the beauties of that right here on earth. And so we're talking about marriage. We're talking about something that's sacrificial. We're talking about a, a man modeling protection. We're talking about a man giving himself. We're talking about a man grooming and um, discipling and training uh, his, his, his children. We're talking about a garden spreading from one part to the other that's contagious because of love. There's a, there is, you know, we think of happiness, but there is sacrifice in this. And so we're modeling that. We're modeling Christ. Uh, what what could be greater than that? That's our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever in the way that God is required for us to glorify him. And one of that one of the ways is the institution of marriage. And so I don't know anything that would be better. <laughs> I don't know how you would get more joy. That's that's what that's where the joy is centered at. And that's where it's uh, supposed to be at. So when God wanted to say something about how he feels about his creation and what that looks like for Christ, him having his own bride in the future, he gave, he decided to put that story in the beginning with Adam in the garden with marriage. So Anthony, I would have to imagine as a minister, when you are counseling people before marriage, mm -hmm. <clears throat> that this issue of happiness probably has to be the number one issue that you deal with because it seemed like most people would bring that naive expectation of I'm getting married because I'm going to be happy. Mm -hmm. This is going to be the happiest thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. We're going to have this big wedding day and every day is going to feel like wedding day and I'm just going to be happy. Is <laughs> not not in premarital now in premarital counseling. Yeah. In regular counseling, I hit, I get the adverse of that. I get I had the expectation of a happy marriage and I'm not happy. And so therefore they believe the marriage isn't working. Premarital, I have to spend a lot of time working to bring solemnness, reverence, and seriousness to the discussion. Because in premarital counseling, when couples are together, they're on this euphoric dopamine high of being just in love with each other. And, and that's just, that's that eros, that's e romantic love. What God is calling us all to is agape, unconditional love. There will be a time that she's not gonna look like she did when she was 20. <laughs> Her body's not gonna look that way. And guess what, guy? You're not gonna look that way. There's gonna be a time where your bodies are gonna physically change. It's not gonna work like it used to work. It ain't gonna feel like it used to feel. If that's what your expectation of marriage is, and that's what the world sells us. Marriage is not about happiness. Marriage is not about sex. Marriage is not about me. It's about God's purpose for man and woman in his creation. After, right after he puts Adam and Eve together, he says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. 
the trajectory for your life as a man obviously is to live according to God's will. But there is a goal in mind that at some point, one of these days, I'm going to be married. So what do I have to do? I have to follow the narrative that God works out through Adam. I have to have understand my purpose, have a relationship with God, understand what love and sacrifice and purpose. All of these ideals are for me. This is before we're even texting anybody. This is before we're even dating. I got to have that. He has Adam has a job, a responsibility and understanding of what dominion is in the in God's creation. He has that before Eve is on the table. So an Eve, if we follow what Paul is telling uh, wives and, and older women to be doing and older men are to be doing, we're preparing our kids so that these young women as well are understanding this body that God has given me. It, it is for his purpose. Men are to understand that as well. So when we get together, what I'm doing as a premarital counselor, I'm working with couples primarily to help them to understand and focus on that because marriage is very serious and has, again, huge implications on your life. The two greatest decisions that anyone will ever make is giving your life to God and the person that you're going to spend your life with in marriage. Two greatest decisions mm. we'll make. So even though and even though you are just, oh, man, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. I have to put the brakes on couples a lot of times. Say, Hold on. Wait a minute. We need to understand this because this thing that you're going to go through in marriage is going to change cyclically. Almost every two to five years, you're going to face some changes in your marriage. When you have kids, that changes the dynamic. When you change jobs, that changes the dynamic. Someone gets sick or, or, or has a, an injury or an accident, that's going to change. And if you've based your entire marriage on what social media tells you about love, what social media tells you about happiness and about the idol of me, you're going to miss marriage and you're going to blame marriage because you're going to say the marriage isn't working. No, y'all aren't working. Or you'll say uh, we're just incompatible. You were incompatible when you got together. You're two different people. You're bringing in 20, 30 years of history together and God is putting that together. Yes, there will be differences. But because I understand what God is working through me and my wife, I understand his purpose. We're working through this. So when I go through issues with my wife, I have to look unto Jesus, as Paul would tell us. If she's dealing with me, she's got to look at Jesus. And it's not always peaches and cream. It's a work. But when we work according to our purpose, oh, man, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. Sometimes we just sit and thank God for what he's done, because both of us have our own issues. But when God puts this thing together and we see the implication that this has on our kids, I'll share this and, and, and you, you, you'll continue. We had a couple uh, at our church one of our long term couples, they've been married 35, almost 40 years. Um, their children are now married. But one particular gathering we had, their children came to them in tears, saying, we're thanking God that you guys held on because this older couple has been married almost 40 years. They had a point where they almost called it quits. But because they held on, that helps their children to understand what holding on means. I agree with Delano, Delano's point. 
we do need to lean in more in teaching and preaching what marriage is supposed to be, what love is supposed to be from a godly perspective so that we can get our families right, not leaning into what the world wants. And even from this dynamic of, well, if you ain't doing me right, I got options because I can get food stamps and Section 8 and you, you on the curtain. No, 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 no. We got to make this thing work because this is a ministry of God. Dave, why would why do you think the church isn't emphasizing marriage enough? Yeah, you know, Jason, this is this is a kind of a long conversation, but this was saying earlier, I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg first in this case. When you don't have men who take responsibility, um, it's hard for you to make them elders and put them in places of authority and leadership. You know, a man's qualifications to be able to be even an elder in a church is the fact that his whole household is together. His children are loving the Lord. He's an honorable man. He, he raises his, his children to fear and admonition of the Lord. He washes his wife in the water of the word. His qualifications to even become an elder start in his household. And so while I do have a problem with the church, I, I just listened to Pastor Anthony. I was thinking to myself, it's, it's unfortunate. Fortunate that Pastor Anthony has to do some of the counseling that he does because technically that is something that should happen from the household. When the fifth commandment is given, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long on the earth, your first touch point for what authority is comes from your mother and your father. Your father and your mom teach you about every other authority in the world from marriage to police to governors, you know, if you're going to understand authority, you learn it there first. So even before you get to a church, you got to start in the household with how it is being run and managed. And the Bible gives us instruction for that. Do you want good elders? Do you want good police officers? Do you want a good society? Well, you better have a good household, a good marriage, a man who has taken responsibility for what's going on there. And if you don't have it there, good luck getting it pretty much anywhere else because all the qualifications for what it takes to do something in life starts in the home. When we, you know, you look back at um, Hannah in the Bible, I'm sorry, Abigail, yeah, Hannah in the Bible, she wanted to see the, the, the righteousness of God in the world. And one of the things that she wanted in order for that to be able to take place was a child that she could dedicate to the Lord. And it was through her dedication to the Lord in that way that we got the prophet Samuel. And the prophet Samuel was a leader of Israel. And, you know, and, and so if we're going to see righteousness take place, even in our churches, we're going to have to become people who are righteous in our households. And so it's really easy to point the blame at the church. But when a husband is loving his wife and he's doing that properly, he's naturally organizing his his children's loves and passions and where they fit at on the, the Richter scale. The way that my dad loves my mom. I've never seen a man love a woman like that. The way that my mom submits to my father and the way that they love each other shows me that submission is not thinking of someone better or worse than each other, but in a relationship where they flow together in perfect harmony. So my, my mom doesn't think it um, odd that she should submit to my father. My father doesn't lord over my mom. And then all of a sudden, these kids is a, a way that they see the world is saying, I don't mind going to work and working hard and submitting to my boss because I know my boss loves 
he knows that he has a master over him and he loves me and the work that I do and he's going to reward me for that. That all happens in the home. So when we look at the church, in one sense, you got to say, man, we have these two things flow together. And that's what Paul's talking about in Titus. Set these things in order. And the way that you set that in order is by finding men who are already faithful in the work of gardening their home. So then they can garden the garden of God in the church. He said a mouthful mm-hmm. that I really agree with. I, I think not, not to be overly sympathetic, but what he's basically arguing is like there's too much of a burden on the church that if you don't have families and everything falls on the church, the natural order, what God intended, now you're placing too much emphasis on the church and the family and the church aren't working hand in hand. It, it, it you know, not to, churches can do a better job, but it, it starts with family. But again, you know, I, and I hear that, I understand it from a very real sense because of families. Think of the families that are coming to our churches. Most of them single mom. So family's broken when she arrives. Mm-hmm. Or you have uh, kids who are, you, know, you have blended families. You have uh, families where mom is faithful and she's going to bring children, but husband don't know God. And so you've got to preach to a dynamic of, okay, now how is this family thing going to work? And then kids are growing up with, well, I see mama going to Bible class, but daddy, he just back home watching the game. We're dealing with all of that. And again, from a Sunday centric perspective, a lot of times for churches, we're discipling again, the, uh, the mandate of the church fits in this. There's a lot of walking alongside of one another together. There are older men and women that are helping at least to set the stage. I've told my story here on this church. I didn't have that narrative growing up. Father, mom with me, my father passed away. But the way that I was raised up until my mom remarried, I still understand the goal. Therefore, a man will leave father and mother and be cleaved to his wife. I get the goal that God wants to have for me because I was raised right, brought up right, mentored right. So we still have to teach and preach that narrative, but it's there's a whole lot of other issues coming in, especially with broken families. Guys, appreciate the time. Uh, we had a little technical difficulty to cut into a little bit of our discussion, but uh, great job as always. Uh, we'll cue up some harmony and uh, we'll see you uh, tomorrow. So divided, stop fighting and stand tall. We used to be a nation, one united. Now we're headed for downfall. God let your light shine down. What we need more than anything now. Tell us Cause
so much stronger。再来一下。